0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by people like you, patrons through Patreon. Wondering how you can support this show? I'll tell you a great place to find out. Patreon.com slash Mission Log.
1: Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Episode 333, Shekhar
2: To Mission Log, a Rottenberry Star Trek
0: podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Mission Log is a show with a mission. It's right there in the title. That mission is to watch an episode of Star Trek, then talk about that episode of Star Trek, the ideas and ideals presented, and then see whether we think the whole thing holds up today.
2: This week, Shakar, the one where Kira returns to her freedom fighting ways. With friends from her freedom fighting days. Also, Kai Wen ruins everything. I've got trivia coming up in a bit, but first But first,
0: I'm gonna let you know how to get in touch with us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323 522 5641 is the phone number to call. 323 522 5641 Our email address is MissionLog at Roddenberry.com. Our show website, including Discovered Documents, is at MissionLogPodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Uh, John, lots of new faces in this episode of Deep Space Nine.
2: So many. It's like I could do a trivia thing about all of these new faces.
0: Well, you see, I was going to say, unless they were every single one of them newcomers... I would imagine there's a tremendous amount of trivia.
2: Yeah, uh, we're going to focus heavily on guest stars. But you know what? We'll do the other stuff, too. Trivia for Shakar. Well, this episode was written by Gordon Dawson. So way back in 1969, Gordon had an uncredited role in Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. And soon after that, he was working as a writer, then a producer in TV. And one of the shows that he did was Brett Maverick back in the early 80s. And it so happens it was on that show that Gordon gave a writing assignment to a young guy looking for a break, Iris Stephen Bear. Now, this episode is Gordon's only on-screen credit for Star Trek, but he did an uncredited polish on the script for Profit and Loss. Today's episode was directed by Jonathan West, and we've mentioned Jonathan before since he was a director of photography on TNG for most of the episodes after Marvin Rush left, Jonathan then moved over to DS9, but it was on TNG that he got his first directing gig with Firstborn, and while this is the first of his directing credits on DS9, he will go on to direct five more episodes. Now, you know I love location shooting, and in this episode we have a great deal of it, all accomplished at Bronson Canyon and the caves therein at Griffith Park. Extremely convenient to Paramount, since it's right up the street in Los Angeles, We've seen it used numerous times before on Star Trek and other productions. Just a few episodes, you might remember, being shot there. Darmok, The Inner Light, and Ensign Row from TNG. Or you can go way back to TOS for This Side of Paradise and Bread and Circuses. All of those just being a tiny fraction of the times Bronson was used. All right, Ken, you mentioned the cavalcade of guest stars this week. Well, of course, we say welcome back to Louise Fletcher as Kai Wen. And then we meet the Vulcan Syvar, played by Sherman Howard. And he's one of those constantly working actors you've seen or heard a hundred times before, even if you don't remember the name right away. He was Lex Luthor in the short-lived Superboy series. He had guest appearances on Seinfeld, Quantum Leap, and more. Feature film credits include Day of the Dead and Lethal Weapon 2, His voice credits are far too numerous to even get into, and Ken, this one is for you. He had a short recurring role on Max Headroom. He was Simon Peller, and he will be back for one more on-screen Trek in Voyager, and he lent his voice to the Star Trek Armada video game. William Lucking is Pharrell. So many credits for William, going back to the mid-60s. He's been in feature films like The Limey and Red Dragon, all the way to TV shows like The Partridge Family, The A-Team, Knight Rider, and Voyagers. He was piney on Sons of Anarchy, and he had multiple non-recurring roles on Murder, She Wrote. That doesn't even touch the numerous other credits like miniseries he has to his name. Seriously, he works all the time. William will be back for two more episodes of DS9, then once on Voyager. Diane Salinger is Lupiza. Now, she might not be a household name, even though she is related to Pierre Salinger. That was JFK's press secretary. But Diane has some amazing credits to her name. She was Apollonia in Carnival. She was in the movies Batman Returns, as the Penguin's Mother, in Pee-wee's Big Holiday. And one of her very first professional roles ever was as Simone in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, and she was in the Vern Miller story, along with Armin Shimmerman and a young John Champion. We also have John Doman as Bajoran Colonel Lenaris Holum, another familiar face just because of the volume of work. Now, John didn't start his on-screen professional acting career until the early 90s, but he worked steadily ever since, everything from voices on Beavis and Butthead, to recurring roles on Oz, ER, Law & Order, and Gotham, in which he played mobster Carmine Falcone, and he was also Commissioner Rawls on The Wire for six years. This is his only Star Trek appearance. In the title role, we have Duncan Rager as Shakar. Duncan has one of those overachieving backgrounds that makes you wonder how he did it all. Champion figure skater, boxer, Shakespearean actor, He even had a cable talk show when he was 14, and a radio show when he was 16. He's turned up in a ton of on-screen roles. Genre fans might know him as Dracula from Monster Squad. He was Charles on the V TV series. He even played Zorro in that TV series from the early 90s. Oh yeah, and he's also an award-winning artist who has the distinction of the lifetime title of Royal Canadian Artist his achievements in that field, uh, just in case you weren't feeling like you've done enough with your life. Uh, we did see Duncan once before in Star Trek when we covered TNG's Sub Rosa. Of course, who could forget that he was Ronan in that episode, and he will be back twice more as Shakar on DS9.
1: It is Kai Wen, exactly as you have seen her before. Prologue. Commander
0: Sisko and Miles O'Brien are playing darts in quarks. Well, Sisko is in quarks. O'Brien is in the zone, hitting bullseye after bullseye, possessed of the feeling that he cannot lose. Sadly, he can't win this round, with Sisko called away. There's a call from the Bajoran Provisional Government. Call complete, Sisko goes to tell Kira the news. The first minister of the Provisional Government has died. His replacement, Kai Win Act 1. Odo and Kira are going over security issues for Deep Space Nine. Well, Odo is. Kira is distracted by Kai Wyn's ascension to power. Spiritual leader and running the government? The First Minister gig is just temporary, though she's running unopposed for the next six-year term for the position. Odo thinks Kira's distrust is tied to the death of Vedic Beryl, though Kira says it's more than that. She can't help feeling that if given power, Wynne will never let it go. Odo says Bajor seems to disagree, and Wynne is seen as the hero who brokered peace with the Cardassians. Of course, that was Beryl's doing, but Bajor doesn't know that. Kira can't see how Bajorans could hand over their freedoms to Wynne, though Odo says one of the hazards of giving people freedom of choice that sometimes they make the wrong one. Back in her quarters, praying for Beryl, Kira gets a surprise visit from Kai Nguyen. She's surprised to see Kira still mourning Beryl's loss. It's been three months. Kira calls Nguyen out on not letting Bajor know Beryl's place in the peace treaty with Cardassia. Though Nguyen says, Beryl did what he did for the good of Cardassia, not for his own glory. Anyway, down to business. Planning season is coming up in the Rakantha province in about six months. Been a few years since anyone cared since the Cardassians wrecked Rakantha, one of Bajor's most productive agricultural regions during the occupation. But Bajoran scientists have figured out a way to reclaim the soil, get Rakantha growing again, and they can produce crops for export, which could attract interstellar business, which could boost Bajoran attempts to join the Federation. Now here's the problem. The soil reclamators are being held by farmers in Dekor province, Kira's home province, leading the farmers, Shakar, friend of Kira's, leader of Kira's resistance cell during the occupation. Wynne wants Kira to convince Shakar to give the reclamators back for Bajor. By stealing the reclamators, Shakar is acting in his own self-interest, not for the good of everyone. Kira says Shakar is one of the least selfish people she knows. She'll talk with him, for when, though she can't guarantee that he'll do as Wynne asks. Act 2 Welcome to decor, dusty, brown. Looks like this soil could use some reclamatin'. Kira finds Shikar no problem. He says Pharrell and Lupiza, other members of the Resistance cell, have farms near here as well. Shikar thinks they'll be happy to see Kira, though Kira's not so sure. Shakar knows Kira's come to talk about them returning the soil reclamators. He says he'll need time to think about it. Things do go well, though. Lots of laughs with the former comrades, though on the topic of the reclamators, they're quite serious. As far as Pharrell and Lupizer are concerned, the answer on returning the machines is no. Later, when Shakar and Kira are alone, he explains the situation they waited three years for the Reclamators, finally got them two months ago, and were told they would be theirs for one year. Then, as soon as Wynn became First Minister, orders came to return the Reclamators for the Rakanta project. Kira argues that that's a good project. Exports. Galactic standing. But Shikar is not interested. She's talking about exports while he and the others are trying to feed the people at the core. Kira suggests a meeting. Shakar can meet with Wynne and talk over the situation, try to reach a compromise. He doubts it'll help, but he'll do it. For Kira. Act 3. Wynne is visibly disappointed in Shakar's decision to hold on to the reclamators. Kira argues in his defense. If Wynne would talk with Shakar, would see the work that they've done in decor, she's sure that they could find some sort of compromise. Frustrated, Wyn says Kira can tell Shakar that they can meet. Then Kira can go back to Deep Space Nine. Kira offers to act as intermediary, though the First Minister says that won't be necessary. Tell Commander Sisko I said hello when you leave Bajor and go back to Deep Space Nine. Back in decor, Shakar says he'll be interested in hearing what Wynne has to say, though she's not getting the Reclamators back. What she has to say, though, you're under arrest. Oh, not directly. Under her direct orders, a group of Bajoran security officers have come to the farm to take Shakar into custody. Shakar says he'll come along quietly, though he does not. He takes out one guard while Kira takes out the other. Preparing to take off, Shakar makes sure Kira knows what she's getting into. What happened with the guards can be explained away. Heat of the moment stuff. If she goes with him, though, she's in it. Shakar says Kira can go home, but Kira says she is home, and she's been lied to by Wynne for the last time. Act four. There's the Bajoran equivalent of an all points bulletin out for Kira and Shakar. Civil police have taken Shakar's farm and are scanning it for reclamators. They've also detained members of Shakar's old resistance cell and are sweating them for info. The wild cards in the whole thing are the police. A lot of them were resistance fighters too. They probably don't want to fire on fellow Bajorans who are just fighting for what's theirs. So Shakar's plan, along with Kira, Pharrell, and Lupaza, is to head to the Kola Mountains, pick up anybody else who's on the run who made it there, then head into the hills. Two weeks have passed, and Wynne's called in the big guns. That is to say, she's asked the emissary, Benjamin Sisko, for help. See, Shakar's resistance to her orders is starting to spread. She's had to declare martial law and suspend local government in the hill country to try to restore order. She didn't really want Sisko to know that, but he does. He also knows that support for Shakar's resistance is growing all over Bajor. Wynne says she doesn't want this to divide her people, as Sisko suggests, withdrawing her troops then, which she says she will do if the Federation would supply a peacekeeping force in their place. Cisco's not interested in hunting down and bringing in Shakar for Wynn. She says it would help solidify the relationship between the Federation and Bajor. She also says that if Bajor can't rely on Cisco's help, maybe Bajor will just withdraw its application for Federation membership. Wow, overreact much? In fact, Cisco says everything Wynn has done since this whole thing started has been overreaction. She's called out the militia and is risking civil war over a couple of soil reclamators. But that's not what it's about. When someone like Shakar can defy the law and escape punishment, Wynne says it's then that society can descend into chaos. This is a test, a test by the prophets. They want to see whether she can live up to the roles that they've given her as First Minister and Kai. And she will not fail them. She will stop Shakar by any means necessary. Cut to Shakar, Kira, and company fleeing the Bajoran militia in the hill country. It looks like Shakar's freedom fighters may actually have to fight. Though with moments to spare, Kira fools the militia's censors into thinking the rebels are somewhere else. That was a close one. Shakar and his people can't keep running forever. And so, new plan. They'll lead the Bajoran militia into a canyon. No way out. And Shakar and company will be waiting. Act 5. On a ridge, Shikar and company stand, guns at the ready, aimed at the militia below. Ready. Aim. Nothing. They were ready to fire, but Shikar is not interested in killing his own people. He reveals himself instead, and goes down to talk to Colonel Lenaris Holum, current leader of the militia chasing Shikar, but former resistance leader. They know each other by reputation. Three things they have in common. They were both resistance. They're both good fighters. And neither wants to see Bajor plunged into civil war. Shakar says he wants to lead his people out of this situation. He wants to take them home. Lenaris says that won't be possible. Though Kira says they will have to find a way to make it possible. Which leads us to the office of the First Minister. She's glad to see Shakar in custody until she learns he's not in custody. Linares has escorted Shakar to the city, where he plans to enter the election for first minister. Linares says the whole army is behind Shakar, though Kira assures Wynne that this is not a coup. It's a free election. If Wynne wants to run for first minister, she can. Though if she does, Kira says the entire incident against Shakar and the Decor farmers will be made public. When the facts are known, Kira's sure win, will lose. She'll still be Kai, but her days in the office of First Minister are numbered, so... Start packing. Back on Deep Space Nine, Kira tells Sisko that things are looking good for Shakar's candidacy. A few other people have entered the race, though Shakar's looking at a commanding lead. He's even gotten a statement of support from Kai Wen. With a welcome back from her CEO kira extinguishes the flame that she'd had burning for burr the end
2: oh uh ken i mean normally i would say hey great job and it, and it is a great job
0: and i would say thank you
2: yes. yeah no of course you did a really good job but you I, I think you forgot about o'brien in
0: there did i did i really <laughs> all right <laughs> O'Brien was in the zone uh so in the zone that quark started taking bets then o'brien's shoulder got popped out of its socket when quark was handing him a drink uh surgery was required o'brien lost the match quark lost a lot of money and uh, when his shoulders healed uh, o'brien couldn't find the zone with both hands in a map
2: Uh, there we go
0: there we go there it is oh but maybe maybe Bashir will end up in the zone no, That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, all right. Excellent. Well done. I'm glad you got everything covered there. Thanks, man. Addendum. Thank you. Nice. And man, uh, so many characters to talk about. And I just I, I love Pharrell with his big old floppy hat and singing about being happy all the well, time. Well, he is.
0: He is happy. Can I just say I knew and, and, and the thing is, you mentioned in trivia how many things that guy has done. Yeah. Piney is what I remember him for, but I couldn't for the life of me place it. And then when I looked at his whole list of stuff he had done, I was like, well, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I do remember him from Sons of Anarchy. And Man Alive, his voice and Shakar's voice both, I, I, you know, they were just amazing. Just like yeah. Just listening yeah. to them like... Uh, you know, if they if they want to do voiceover for everything from now on. Hey, right now, I'm not going to say that anyway. Yes. If they want to do voiceover for anything from now on. Yeah. yeah. Pay them whatever they want. Because I think
2: gonna... I mean, there's so much that, that goes into trivia that you just have to leave out because inevitably, you know, you hear, oh, you didn't mention this. And I think I can't remember if it was John Doman or uh, maybe William or, or whom uh, did an episode of um, Night Stalker which was the revival of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah, so, I see.
0: You have to mention yeah. that one, too. because I did, know, but I you,
2: didn't. You're getting, just, you're getting
0: emails it. for days if you don't say something about Kolchak or, you know, anything that followed it. Well, not anything that followed it, but anything in that vein that followed yeah. it.
2: Um, hey, I like that we kick off the drama here uh, with uh, Cisco coming to Kira. Hey, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you that a character that we've never met and have never seen and you don't care about is dead that's you know that'll just that'll get us going right away um odo I, o, not a lot of odo in this episode he's got a he's got a great line though one of the downsides of giving people freedom of choice is that they sometimes make the wrong choice
0: yeah well it depends on who you ask i guess
2: yeah well there you go not so if you ask them made the
0: right choice yeah. <laughs> well yeah. yeah uh what is it history is written by the uh Well, the the survivors, I would actually say. I know it's supposed to be winners, but yes, I'd say, you know, yeah, anyway
2: um interesting thing this whole soil reclamation idea this technology so reclamators can detoxify the soil and make it fertile again so uh, the bajorans apparently built like two and uh, they did that in three years or something uh and apparently that's a technology that can't be replicated uh because then you'd have replicated reclamators and uh, by the way you know what you get from uh reclamator replicators you get replicated reclamators ken wow
0: that's, how long yeah. did you practice that i'm curious
2: not at all, actually. Oh, wow. I just had well, it in my head, and I couldn't get it out.
0: Well done. Very well done. Uh, yeah. yeah, I will say it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The whole replicator thing doesn't make a lot of sense. Or
2: reclamators, either.
0: No, yeah, whichever. Yeah, yeah. The, the soil reclamators don't make a lot of sense, because apparently they were promised to decor three years ago. They finally got them two months ago, and now they've got to give them back. You're right. Yeah. It makes no sense that there would only be two of them. Yes. Um, and also, Kira had never heard about it like the first she's heard of the fact yeah. that they can actually uh you know reclaim the soil of bajor for bajor mm-hmm. is when uh the new first minister comes and is like oh by the way secret technology except not secret technology because these farmers have been waiting for it for years <laughs> right yeah. what's what what i don't got,
2: know uh, got one word for them hydroponics <laughs> just look into that all right you've been to epcot
0: I goodness. have. I've been to that. Not, Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, that was one of my favorite things there is the land pavilion. You got all the hydroponic gardens. It's amazing.
0: I, 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 I hate to inform you. I think the land has actually been turned under for uh, the uh, the Disney Plus TV Riderama.
2: Stop! Stop! <laughs> no, I can't. I can't.
0: The Living Seas is a Nemo thing, and what did they tear yeah. down? That they put they put a Frozen in in the Norwegian and, uh,
2: in the Maelstrom.
0: Tune yeah. in for our other podcast, What the Heck Happened to Epcot.
2: Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't even get me started. And, and Ken, they took the, the Energy Pavilion and they made it of So they, I, I can't. I can't. They paved
0: Paradise property, no. and put up a parking lot, John. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> because they needed more parking, because everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy, and they'll actually turn up now.
2: Yeah. Hey, Star Trek things. Uh, so uh, in Shakar, uh, stylistically, um, it's interesting to me just how rural... The Bajorans are really rural. Yeah. I mean, so you think about it. So th- this is a place. I mean, we Bajorans. We just learned they've had space travel for 800 years. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, and, and, in fairness, though, it was a wooden ship.
2: It was a wooden ship. Yeah. But... um now it 's reasonable to me that some people would eschew certain technologies and they want to live closer to the land like I get that we We met people all throughout t o s who were like yeah i, I don 't want to live in your particular version of paradise and want my own version over here with cows or whatever you know so I, I understand that at the same time though um this is really rural and uh but they they have a few little pieces of technology. It's like, okay, we can have a reclamator that will detoxify soil, and then there are a few little pieces of technology around, but it looked like, you know, they're drinking out of clay cups that they just made, yeah. you know, last week. And uh, and then they still, of course, they have beam weapons that they use when they need to go fight other Bajorans,
0: yeah. potentially. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame, actually, because they can have reclamators, but they can't have replicators.
2: Right? See? And if they had a replicator, they could replicate the reclamator. See,
0: I'm just going to keep doing what you were doing. Yeah, this is one of the things that we talked about a lot on TOS, actually, and a bit in TNG as well. It's just you need to really quickly telegraph for people. We're talking about farmers here. Yeah. So, so how are we going to do that? Well, we're going we're to go to the like a set of Gunsmoke and then, like put a character that we know in that, right? Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, go back to what you were saying about uh, the land, about Epcot and hydroponics. I got to figure... Even if Bajor is Bajor, and, and it is by most accounts, even if Bajor is Bajor, things have advanced enough that their, their farm would not look like a place that Marshall Dillon would have to ride to to find out like, who robbed somebody
2: you you would think
0: not um it's shorthand though it's shorthand for we're talking about farmers now so it
2: is yeah yeah Uh, i i think i've mentioned on the show before so my grandfather was a farmer my dad was raised on that farm Hmm. and he retired uh my grandfather retired around the time i was born a little bit after but they still owned the farm and still used it uh and leased out parts of it but but even then it's like okay well you, you got trucks and, and you got an automated milking system for the cows, and right. uh, there's a TV in the living room.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? I was uh, I was driving someplace recently and got got the got my wits scared out of me because um, because there was a low flying plane. Whoa. And I realized the reason was because I was in a farm country and it was a crop duster, and that's that's the 21st century. So I think yeah. probably they would have advanced beyond whatever the heck it was that uh, that Shakar was rocking in decor.
2: Oh, please tell me you did a Cary Grant—you put on a gray suit and you ran away from the crop duster. I was so. Well, no,
0: I was driving, so no.
2: Oh, okay. I would yeah. get out of the car and I
0: would go do. Yeah, that. And go buy a suit mm-hmm. and then hope they were still there when we get back. Hey, uh, uh, shout out by the way, uh, Miles O'Brien, uh, spending a good bit of time in this episode in the zone, though he doesn't end up there. I don't know if you noticed, though, John. I'm uh, mm-hmm. going at one point for his. Forty seventh straight victory. Whoa. Whoa. Which one? Forty seventh.
2: Golf clap. Golf yeah, clap for that. Go. Nicely yeah. done. Um I honestly though, uh, that whole bit with O'Brien, I don't know if you felt this, but when he hurt his arm the first time or the, his shoulder the first time around, I, I thought it was
0: a bit. Yeah.
2: Like and honestly, I expected a scene later in the show where like he paid off Bashir, or so like oh, I'm so glad I'm not you know Cork's little dart playing monkey anymore. <laughs> you or he know? just
0: put all of his money on the Vulcan.
2: Yeah. Oh, there you go. See,
0: that'd be good. Yeah. yeah not yeah. not dishonest at all.
2: Yeah um I, I feel like uh with cisco in the past sometimes he's almost a little too deferential to kai Wen. like he doesn't want to make waves and it's not his fight you know but i i really like their verbal sparring in this episode and you mentioned that in the recap he just straight up tells her like uh you're overreacting i'm not gonna help yeah uh, it, it was a good moment for cisco it, it was uh really nice
0: well, I mean, he is doing what, I mean, what he said wasn't untrue. I mean, I, I think yeah. he also takes no small amount of joy in not helping Kai win. But, you know, it, it is an internal Bajoran matter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Although yes. you would hope then, you know, he would stop her if she were just to go and start wholesale slaughtering people. Um would hope. You would hope that, yes. But, uh, yeah, he didn't lie. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. And I like that he he says to her, "Well, I haven't spoken to Major Kira in quite some time," and i was like, "Great! If you work for Cisco, you just take time off. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just disappear." And it's like, "Oh, oh, welcome back!"
0: You but know, isn't that what Odo did? Odo's yeah, like, "That's true. M- I'm going to need yeah. a ship, and for you to ask me no questions." Mm. And Cisco's like, "Well." That makes you, sense. You're yeah. Odo, so yeah. I guess I got to. Hey, uh, so they, they decide they're going to go uh, hide up in the Kola Mountain, right? Uh, mm-hmm. or they're going go to go Cola Kola Mountain and pick up anybody else and then go into the hills. Uh, remind yeah. me, Kola Mountain is just like just east of Big Rock Candy Mountain.
2: <laughs> yes, that, that is right. And you cannot keep that anywhere near Pop Rock Mountain.
0: No, you uh, can't. No. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's Wow, explosive. Pop Rock yeah. Mountain. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's actually, I believe that's how you defeat a Gorn. <laughs> You get, you, get, you get rocks from cola mountain and rocks from pop rock mountain you oh wait put them in wait. a thing
2: yeah that, that 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 was it that was it i i believe it was uh william lucking who played Ferrell or Ferrell, however you want to say it yeah played a character named gorn in night stalker the revival series
0: of Colchak the night stalker and you were seriously going to leave this out of trivia
2: Look, I mean, here's the thing There's so much trivia There's so much to talk about Isn't it better that it comes up naturally like that would like, It would be
0: like if he played, you know He played uh, John Kirk on an episode of Love Boat And you're like, yeah, I'm gonna leave that out
1: What do you get when you cross Colo Mountain And Pop Rocks Mountain I do not know, but urban legend tells us that it is not good.
0: So Odo said something that really surprised me in this episode. What is that? Kira is talking about um, Kai Wen and not liking the fact that uh, Kai Wen is now, you know, first minister and it's too much power. And Odo says, you and I have a different perspective than most Bajorans. Mm-hmm. Is he identifying as Bajoran?
2: Uh, that's a really good question. I, in the moment, I didn't think so.
0: Oh, really? See, because yeah. I, I can see how there, there are like different ways to read the line. Mm-hmm. So if, if he had said it like, you know, you and I have a different uh, feeling than most Bajorans,
2: mm-hmm.
0: then I'd be like, oh, okay. But it felt like the emphasis was on most Bajorans, in which case he was sort of saying, we're like this other set of Bajorans who really know what's going on. Yeah. Whereas uh, the rest of the Bajorans are kind of just like, you know, fooled by the whole thing. Like and, and, and if you think that there's nothing to that, that's fine. I really thought the way it had read was or the way he had read it was. Yeah, we are a, of a special group of Bajorans mm. who X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter what that is. We like to slick our hair back. Mm. We're those kind of Bajorans yep. or, you right. know, we like to we like a, whatever that kind of pie was. We don't really care for it. Yeah, we're those kind of bajorans. I felt like he was sort of lumping himself—not lumping himself in—but uh, I felt like he was sort of uh, he was sort of including himself in the bajoran uh, in the bajoran milieu. That's
2: interesting. Yeah, I I can see exactly why it would sound like that. And is he is it almost a sort of um, reflexive that he would do that? That that he's. He definitely does not think of himself as Cardassian. We we met his, right. uh, even though he worked for them, worked with them. Uh, and and he had that very interesting kind of uh, familial relationship, this father-son relationship with his Bajoran, quote unquote, you know, keeper scientist mm-hmm. um, played by the great James Sloyan. Um, so may, maybe that is just sort of like almost a subconscious thing that that he kind of reverts to that. Well, this is the form that I take. I'm in this quasi Bajoran look that I modeled myself after the scientist who was studying me.
0: Right. And so. I mean uh DS9 is a Bajoran station and of course mm-hmm. we know he has the feels for Major Kira, who yeah. I, I don't know if you know Bajoran. Really? Yeah I know.
2: So that's with the whole the the nose with the thing. Yeah, they
0: the don't ridges. play it they don't play it a lot, but she yeah. is interesting.
2: Yeah would have would have never guessed um yeah well that's that's a, a good little thing to point out maybe, maybe that is and, and i wonder like when you get something like that in the script and you're Rene aubergenois and you're talking to a jonathan west like hey let's look at this line for a moment a- am i identifying as bajoran here because he's definitely not and and he did express to uh Garrick how he wants to go home "Quote unquote" to his people, the founders, the 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 other changelings, but here he is, as you say, on this Bajoran station with other Bajorans raised by Bajorans.
0: That's you know that really is an interesting thing, though. I mean, if you if you follow it just like another, I don't know, thirty seconds, because since mm-hmm. we we're not even necessarily agreed that that was how the line was meant to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, the Bajorans would be the people that would show him the 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 most. The largest example of sort of um, uh, community, camaraderie, uh, familial feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Because you could say, well, they're the people in Starfleet. And first of all, I mean, there are questions about uh, how Starfleet, a lot of the Starfleet people that he's been in contact with have been, at least since we've seen them take over Deep Space Nine. Um, But then also, you know, Cisco might get promoted. He might not be there tomorrow. He's not married to Deep Space Nine. He's married to Starfleet, but Starfleet's married to, you know, go where the heat is or go where the heat isn't. They're not going to be there. Whereas um, Bajor for the Bajorans is a thing. Um, you know, Kira, whether she agrees with what Kaiwen is doing or not, she's going to be there for Bajor. And yeah. he he might actually because when he said he wanted to go home, it's not because you know he misses that you know cold graphite <laughs> mountainscape that he saw. It's because of the camaraderie. It's because of the of yeah. the of the association of the of the of the feeling of togetherness with that. Literally, in his case, um, yeah, I can see why he might uh, think of Bajor as home. Um, but if we're not sure that that's what he was saying, then uh, then we can skip on.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about other Bajorans. Let's talk about, oh, let's talk about Kai Nguyen for a moment. Okay. Uh, she who comes on screen and, and I feel a cold chill because, um, man, I, I do you remember uh, sometimes we would do the lightning round on the live show? We'd ask, who's your favorite Star Trek adversary? And uh, a good number of people say Kai Wynn mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, but uh, she's, she's no to cut, She's no Borg. She's no. Way, and wow, boy! Oh, she's just, a
0: thousand times. She's worse than Gal Dukat, I think. Oh
2: yeah, oh yeah. And she, she's just. I, I see her come on screen, and I just, oh boy, we're we're in for it. Um, she says about Barile to Kira. She says, "Well, well, Barile left us to walk with the prophets." Um. It, it, Sort of glossing over the idea that she was pushing for and sort of manipulating Beryal into this feeling that he had to stay alive in a very dangerous way to help her win this uh, peace treaty. Um, Yeah. And then he was just uh, carrying out the will of the prophets in in order to justify his not getting any credit for the success of the peace treaty. Oh, no, no, no. You You should know. Anybody who loved him would know. (laughs) <laughs> that he didn't want any credit for it and blah 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 all the way through the episode anything that comes out of her mouth they do an amazing job in this show and i mean ds9 but specifically this show uh, of showing you how through kai Winn you can use religion and belief to justify anything to justify any position and yes and and i know that kai Wen's motivator is power because she either has power, wants to keep it, or she is out to gain more power. But religion is the bludgeon that she uses against others and uses to protect herself. Anything that comes her way that is a challenge, she can deflect by saying, like, oh, well, well, that was the will of the prophets. And mm-hmm. if you try to challenge that, if you try to counter that, well, you're just going against the prophets. How dare you do that? She's amazing and she's written incredibly well to be that manipulative and slippery (laughs) to get her way into and out of any position with this safety net of using people's belief against them. It's fascinating to watch. And it's partly why it makes my skin crawl uh, whenever we see her on screen. Has not anything against Louise Fletcher. She's a genius. She's yeah, brilliant.
0: No, she's amazing. I mean, that's, I yeah. mean, in a lesser actor um, or an actor with less ability, you give that part to Andy McDowell. <laughs> hmm.
2: Why, why are we picking on Annie McDowell?
0: Because she's a horrible actress. She's okay. beautiful. And occasionally <laughs> yes. she's okay and stuff. Like, I think she was really good in sex, lies and videotape. I think she was mm-hmm. really bad in Four Weddings and a Funeral and other okay. stuff. It's like, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot whether she's going to be good or not. Yeah. Uh, Louise Fletcher shows, shows up and, uh, and, and anything, almost. I can't think of anything I've seen her in that she was bad. I can only yeah. think of a couple of people that I would see and go. They could also have played Kai Nguyen. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm sure there are thousands of people who could have done it. But yeah, she's she just she brings. Yeah, she brings evil.
2: Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. This idea of the psychology of belief, because it it comes up again in a couple of other places that struck me in this episode. And what is about our pal Pharrell? Mm-hmm. Who who we we're just so kind of we we're enamored with the camaraderie and and the the characterization of the small group of people that uh, Kira knows in here, and there was this thing that I found very interesting about Pharrell losing his arm and and that moment where he talks to Kira about his decision to not have that fixed. It's the twenty fourth century. Right, There are very good doctors who can do amazing things that we can't even imagine. You can, turn a, you can turn a human into a Romulan and back again in the course of an hour-long episode of TNG. That's how good medicine is in the 21st century. But I really wanted to get into the psychology here and, and what is maybe partly self-punishment or guilt. But at the same time, he was successful In what he set out to do. His mission was a success. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he prayed to the prophets. They wanted to get his friends out of confinement, even if he had to lose his life to do so. But in the end, everyone got out. And the only casualty here was that he lost an arm. Nobody died. And he could have had it replaced through modern technology. But he chooses not to do it because, in his words, it would seem ungrateful to the prophets um
0: yeah you know what you know what cisco should do honestly he should start running shuttles from bajor to the wormhole
2: yeah and go look they're yeah the the prophets do me a favor ask the
0: wormholians if they want you to keep going without an arm would you please just ask them that
2: well exactly so i i feel terrible for this kind of thinking you know, the, there's no way, with the exception of Cisco picking him up in a runabout and saying, here are the prophets, prophets, meet Pharrell, Pharrell, meet the prophets. There's no way for Pharrell to know what the prophets were thinking then, or what they would think about him wanting to replace his arm. Mm-hmm. Now, if he could talk to them, they might say, what are you thinking? <laughs> you have doctors who can put your arm back on, go get an arm. Right. And And I know that this is somehow... Maybe not to us as the viewing audience, but to the people gathered there and in his own head. It's supposed to make him seem kind of heroic and at the same time a little sympathetic. But he's holding on to this moment. He's holding on to that pain, and he doesn't
0: need to. You know what the prophets would say to him? Why do you you live live here? there. Right. Yeah. Why do you Mm -hmm. live here? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. The prophets don't care. They no,
2: they're aliens living their, their <laughs> non temporal, non corporeal lives.
0: Right, right. The best yeah. you could was it uh I i probably talked about this before. Was it Sirens of Titan, where they have uh, uh, the church of God the utterly indifferent? <laughs> I can't remember if that was Sirens of Titan or it might have been Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but it, basically mm-hmm. the idea is, you know, yeah, God made everything and he's like, All right. Yeah. That was good. You what know, you and, got the, next, and yeah. the rest of it's like the rest of it's up to you for him to say I, it just it reminded me of, of just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not, um, I assume we've all known people like that. I don't know if you have or not, but I assume that we've all known people who that was their thing. That was the thing they did. And if that thing was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago, that, that was the thing. And there's no... What's, what's weird about it to me, though, is the people that I've known who are like that in my past, that was seriously like the one thing that they did, and that was it. Like, after that, mm-hmm. they stopped, right? Pharrell's still going out and doing stuff. He still wants to make things happen. He still wants to feed Bajor. Yeah. But he wants to do it with one arm.
2: You could do it better with two arms.
0: You could do it better with two arms. And I yeah. don't think the prophets would be like, well, he's, he's forgotten who we are. I think the prophets would actually be like, I'm sorry, and you were... And I would yeah. know you from, because that's, I mean, that's how the prophets are, that's, you know, it's like, it's, it's Cisco, uh, Quark, and the Grand Nagus. That's, they're the three that the prophets that's have talked it. to in the past decade. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and that's to say it. it's a weird kind of selfishness, uh, for lack of a better word here, because, uh, again, if you move on past that and you realize, wait a minute, we're past the war, we're past that one moment that was traumatic and terrible. Look at how much more I can do if I am healthy and able bodied. I can do so much more for the people who need me now.
0: Yeah. And here's the thing. This is not to take from anybody who has actually suffered in war. No, no, because, I mean, it, it, honestly, it's only in having this discussion right now. I didn't even think about this before. But it's uh, it's reminding me a tiny bit of, wait for it, this side of paradise. Because mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, look, they're not working. Well, they don't have to anymore, right? What's yeah. sort of my feeling on it? I know you had a different feeling about it. And a lot of people had a different feeling about it. And they've, they've yelled at me over the years, and that's fine. I, he... <sighs> It, it it does not take anything away from your willingness to sacrifice if you actually do well later. It doesn't take away from what you did if you make yourself better after that. To, to stay in that place for no better reason than because it feels like it would be disrespectful to not stay in that place. Because here's the other thing. And pardon me for using this term. It's going to sound callous. I don't mean to. He's wearing it on his sleeve. Yeah. Hey, I lost. Uh, you know, I lost an arm saving you. Yeah. Well, you know, I could actually take you someplace where you could have another arm. No, 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 no. And I would, and I would still be grateful to you. And yeah. it would, it would, it would not lessen anything that happened. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. It was um. It was troubling. Yeah.
2: And, and by the way, before we move on, I, I don't want anybody to think that I am solely coming down on this religious or quasi-religious belief aspect of this episode. Because I also thought that there was a nice little parallel with the Vulcan, Sivar, playing darts with O'Brien. Because he is so ready to just use logic so he can win because O'Brien hurt himself. So instead of just saying, like, oh, hey, I'm sorry you hurt yourself. Uh, We can stop. We'll play again sometime. I hope you're all right. He He's just like, uh, oh, good, you're hurt now, so I win. So literally, I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Now pay up. And we've seen this before with other Vulcans we may have met who are just so adept at bending logic to fit whatever the outcome is that they should be i'm not comparing this specifically to pharrell but we were talking about kai Wynn before in this and her ability to bend the belief system to fit whatever outcome she wants or whatever she's trying to generate in this case a civil war um you know but here's uh, Sivar doing the same thing in this situation, Vulcan, who shouldn't care about uh, possessions, shouldn't care about winning in this case, but uh, oh, if the logic is on his side, sure we'll take that payout any day of the week.
0: that you were able to pull something worthwhile out of the O'Brien storyline. You, my friend, are in the zone <laughs> I'm in the zone. <laughs>
1: With faith restored and human Wait, not humanity. Bajornity. Bajornanity? Bajorality. Anyway, with everyone living happily. Wait, not happily. Cautiously. Guardedly optimistically. Pensively. Anyway, with things having happened, it is time to see what we can take from Shekhar.
0: The episode is called Shakar, John. Um, uh, Lots of nuance, lots of subtlety (laughs) to the naming of this episode. Uh, There's a character in it named Shakar.
2: Oh, so wait, so he was the guy in the show called Shakar. And
0: they were like, you know, we could call this show Lots of Things, Mm -hmm. but why don't we call it Shakar? The only problem is you'd be inclined to go, it's like the Enterprise incident. You'd be inclined to go, it's the one with Shakar. But you actually said during trivia that he's going to be back two more times as Shikar. So I think maybe they misnamed it because yeah, now they, be... the they could have
2: called it Standoff at Cola Mountain.
0: They could. I love the Pop Rocks and Cola Mountain thing. It's a yeah. it's a great idea. So so yeah, uh, Shikar is the name of the episode, and this is the part of uh, the episode of Mission Log where we talk about the messages, morals, meanings, ideas, ideals, uh, whether the whole thing holds up. Uh, we'll begin there. I guess, John, uh, uh, Shakar, does this episode hold up as far as you're concerned?
2: Uh, well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I think we both hit the fact that the B-plot has no bearing on anything at all.
0: Mm, I don't know, though. There was a feisty John Champion who said last segment that he actually saw a little bit of a parallel.
2: Well, it, it's a fun little accidental parallel. <laughs> okay. Believe okay. me, they were not thinking too hard about this. Um, and, and here's the thing. Like, it, we all like O'Brien, and now the dartboard is a bit that it feels like the show is committed to. Right. Uh, that, that's fine. Like shows have bits. They have recurring bits. I, our show, for one, has recurring bits. Much to yes. the chagrin of some listeners. Um, uh, but I'm not sure that it merits the entire B-plot here. The, the, this is like a, a, a fine spice that you need to use sparingly throughout the show when you have a bit that you want to revisit. It's like Mourn. I've not grown tired of Mourn at all. At all, but I've grown tired of the dartboard now. We've seen it like three times.
0: Oh, I love the dartboard. Hmm, I really do. I, uh, there's something about it because they can talk about going off to the holodeck, right? Mm-hmm. But that or the hollow Suite. But we're not going to see the Hollow Suite. And they can stand around and yell "Dabo" all day long, and we'll have no idea what they're doing. Darts is something that we can actually access as as twentieth yeah, yeah. and twenty first century people. I think I, I I am actually loving the dartboard thing because. It makes much more sense to me than the food thing. I mean, because there are three meals. They don't spend a lot of time you know, having those meals. This is something they can do to sort of blow up steam. I'm, 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 I can't believe that this is actually a point of discussion, but I'm I'm, I'm a guinea on the dartboard. Because uh, I, I, I think a, it's
2: a little... Maybe I wouldn't feel that it was overplayed if we just hadn't had a breaking and entering incident to get the dartboard.
0: Like, yeah.
2: Again, I, I feel like we're, we're overplaying the significance, and when we do that it stops becoming as significant down the road oh see here's
0: the thing though here's the thing this is the poker table from tng
2: Mm-hmm. It it is it is 100
0: did you tire of that
2: i didn't because i didn't feel like they beat us over the head with it
0: yeah okay i i I, i'm not there yet with uh with the dartboard yeah
2: cool well check back
0: with me (laughs) mission Uh, log is produced oh wait we're not done (laughs) oh hang on all right
2: uh let's talk about the a plot though um so you got political and character intrigue, which I think are both done very well. Mm-hmm. The relationships are solid. The, the character background and camaraderie is all really interesting to watch, even though if we're, we're feeling a little mixed here or, or, or a little sad about Pharrell and his life. Uh, the soil reclamators, that's the MacGuffin. Doesn't really matter what they are or how this would logically work itself out. The point is that we get to expose Kai Wen a little more for who she is. Uh, but more importantly, we get to dig deeper into the Bajoran experience. And at least some of them are too smart to be manipulated. And that's great to see um, more. Uh, look, I, you know, more than just that, uh, they are too smart to fight each other, which is nice to see this time. This day, at this moment, they didn't pick up their guns and start shooting each other. Except for that one guy, but they got rid of him very quickly. Um, And I know that this isn't how things will go forever and ever on DS9. And I really like seeing Kai Wen be on the losing side, even if it's just for one brief shining moment in this episode. Uh, There's at least some hope there. Um, And the other thing this episode has going for it, this cast is knockout. Mm-hmm. I mean this is a great cast without fail from the you know the the shortest on screen bits probably Sivar here uh to the the bigger cast on Bejor they're just all awesome and I could watch them over and over again and I'm glad that we have more of them coming up so as a production here I think it's really excellent uh, a lot of production value with them being on location um it's really hard to find fault with it there, and, and I actually did find a message here that I think uh, is a positive one for the episode. But but before we get into that, what what do you think about the show?
0: Oh yeah, uh, uh, production-wise, it's absolutely amazing. And there's, I don't think there's. It's funny because you can tell they didn't have a B plot because <laughs> there was. Um, so they have the whole uh, discussion around the table, right? With uh, with um, with uh, uh, Pharrell and. Mm-hmm lupiza and they have that discussion and then she's like yeah well they're not getting the reclamators back now let's have some pie right yeah, yeah. and then they just cut to uh exterior and then later it's kira and uh and and shakar outside and normally that's where we go back and jake would be like no seriously i have this freighter cabin i want you to meet yeah. right? <laughs> right or whatever yeah. but it's, there's like so much uh, like the, the b plot and the b plots it's not even a B plot. It's like interstitials. It's like yeah. it's like a quick yeah. cutaway. It's like it's like the puppets on Hee Haw. Something. It's like nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, the stuff with the uh, uh, as a production uh, acting, uh, even the writing, all of it. I think I think it's I think it's 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 good. It's an incredibly well produced mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to find out what message you found in it. And maybe it's because I know that things haven't turned a corner here. Yeah. Maybe it's because I know it's all going to go poorly again. Um, I uh, The one thing that frustrates me about the episode is there was no real message to me. I mean, bec- but maybe that's because I know that it, it's going to go bad. I mean, just because we hear that Kai Wen has given, you know, Shakar some sort of support. We know her to be what she is. And so that's not going to mean anything. That's going to end up being bad. um, And it's just a matter of, you know, uh, finding out how. And does Shakar get to live through it? Yeah.
2: Well, see, I mean, this to me is kind of the good thing about the pretense of the way that we do Mission Log, where we're sort of pretending that this is whenever it was in 1995 that this aired, or I probably have the year wrong at this point because there are so many um, where we go. Oh, OK, here's where we stopped today. Here's where this episode landed today. And we don't necessarily know what's coming. Season four, season five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we got here and presumably then have another week before we get another episode and however long before we revisit the Kai Wen plot line here. There was something that I really liked, which is that that scene with Shakar and Kira and Colonel Hollum, I thought it was really good. And it it took me right back to TOS. It it was sincere. It was adult. It was full of reason and people seeing each other as people. These are soldiers who decided to see each other as well as fellow Bajorans and put their weapons down. And that's all it took. As all it took in that one moment is to decide not to fight today and realize that the motivations, the the political powers are irrelevant to seeing the humanity. And I realize that's the wrong word because they're Bajoran, but seeing the humanity in each other and saying, this is not us. We're better than this. We can do better for Bajor and for the others around us. I thought that was a really sweet wonderful scene and I realize that the very next moment when we see the three of them confronting Kai win, yeah it's like this oh is it this feel good moment that we know is just setting ourselves up for more political intrigue but you don't even get to have that moment of the three walking in together unless you have that moment in the valley with them just stopping what they're doing and saying we can't fight each other We we can't do this
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. And I wish I could. uh, And the thing is, I don't actually know what's going to happen. I mean, I know that Kai Wen is still around as a bad guy. Sure. So I assume she's going to get it over on Shakar. Here's what I will say. Um, Every time hope has been introduced on Deep Space Nine, they have also then pulled the rug out from under you. Yeah. And so 100 percent. And so, you know, for you to say, oh, there's this hopeful moment. That's all it's going to be. I mean, and and maybe, and hey, maybe I'm wrong. And I look forward to when I eventually finish watching Deep Space Nine, finding out that I was wrong, if I in fact was. But it's like we talked about on other um, later <laughs> iterations of Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, that we're not, you know, getting to tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. That you're not getting to for like ten years, maybe <laughs> I don't know. But like every time, every time they introduce something like hopeful in in a number of different uh, Star Trek presentations at this point uh, that hope is only there to sucker punch you yeah and 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 so when i get to the end of this episode uh, the fact that he was not declared first minister at the end of this episode indicates to me that he's never going to be first minister if this was going to have a happy ending they would say you know 3 weeks later Or six weeks later, or whatever, and he's been named the six-year thing, and maybe they don't live happily ever after. Maybe something still bad happens to him. But then you can have that moment of hope. You've still got an ignorant populace out there that's being that's being manipulated uh, largely by uh, by Kai Winn and and her power. And yes, uh, Shakar did stand up for a second, and that started to sort of take over. But now she's made you know nice words, and we know that there are a bunch of sheep out out there that are still going to listen to what she says and follow that way. I know we don't know that, except that's all Deep Space Nine has given us. Yeah. Is, 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 oh, maybe this will go well. Maybe this will be good. Oh, look, it's just dark. And that's as wonderful as the episode is. And this is a wonderful episode, as you say. There are some really good moments in this episode, as you say. Um, I've been hurt too many times before, John. <laughs>
2: Well, Ken, we I'm just going to send
0: you some Shakar fan fiction. I think it's the only way to fix this. That's it. <laughs> Thank you very kindly for that. Hey, Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Have you checked out all the podcasts on the Roddenberry Podcast Network? Are you sure you've checked them all out? I'm talking about shows like Mission Log Live, Women at Warp, Priority One, The Track Files, Daily Star Trek News, and Shabam! Shabam! <laughs> podcasts.rottenberry.com if you'd like to support Mission Log directly that'd be neat patreon.com slash mission log is the place to do that and for more Star Trek news and discussion be sure to visit trekmovie.com on
2: the next mission log facets
1: Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. To keep up to date with everything happening with Mission Log, listen to Mission Log Live, available where you get podcasts, and be sure to visit the show's site, missionlogpodcast.com.